Hey, what's up, you guys? It's Anxiety. Thank you so much for coming by. The sponsor of this episode, as always, is WebAround. Use the code Anxiety for 10% off and to support your favorite podcaster slash streamer. This episode was absolutely phenomenal. I ended up talking and talking and talking with the absolutely fabulous Radical, also known as Rachel. Uh, she is a mental health professional, so it continued our mental health professional series. It was just absolutely awesome. We answered a lot of uh, audience questions. You should just check it out. I know you're going to because you're here. I love you. Thank you so much for coming by. Please enjoy. Let's go, Sparks. Hey, what's up, you guys? It's Anxiety. Welcome, welcome. For Thank you for hanging out and being with us today. We are talking to Radical618, also known as Rachel. Thank you so much for being here, Rachel. Of course, like I said, it's an honor to be here. I've been excited for months. I've been telling a lot of people about this, so it's really exciting. That is really, okay, so first of all, thank you for telling people about us. That's really freaking sweet. And second of all, thank you for reaching out and being like, hey, I'm a professional who would be willing to talk to you about mental health stuff. So anybody who is out there who like wants to raise more awareness and mental health issues, like uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really honored to know all you guys and, and honored that you would like think that my show is enough scientifically literate that it would be worthy to come on. That feels really good. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit uh, about what you do and uh, what's your background? What makes you relevant to the show? Sure. So um, first of all, like, uh, like we said, my name's Rachel. Um, you can also, of course, if you in the chat or wherever, you may come across me again. Radical or rad is just fine. Um, I have a online and in real life persona go figure as we all do. Um, but I, uh, I have a master's degree in uh, clinical mental health counseling. Um, I got that in 2016. I'm currently working in the state of Florida, and here we have what's called an LMHC, which is a licensed mental health counselor. So I'm currently a registered mental health counseling intern, so I'm working towards my LMHC so that I can provide individual counseling um, uh, therapy to to individuals in the future. Um, I'm currently working for a state agency that helps individuals with mental and physical disabilities understand and manage their disabilities so that they can become employed. So I'm currently doing what's more known as rehab counseling. I've actually um, asked uh, Anxiety here to post the link to where I work. It's the rehabworks.org link. And um, that's the agency that I work for currently. I'm currently doing rehab counseling, um, but I'm pursuing mental health counseling um, because that's my more long-term goal to be doing that in the future. What made you want to pursue this? What made you want sure. to pursue therapy? Yeah, so um, it's it's an interesting thing. Uh, it's two things. One that's very personal, and one that's kind of funny. Oh, um, please, you know, feel free to not share anything that's that's you know too much. Of course. Oh no, it's okay. Um, I the person who I'm gonna tell the story about may be watching, um, and she's very open about this. Um, okay. I'm not gonna give too many personal details, sure. but it's a big part of my life. So. Um, so the, the big reason that I went into counseling and I, I didn't always want to go into counseling. I want to do something with psychology, um, is because of my mom. So my mom, um, has very severe depression, um, major depressive disorder. If she's not adequately medicated or seeking uh, mental health treatment in the form of therapy. And so all through my life, there were different points where she, um, was, very low um, regarding her mood and her mental health. Um, but most of the time, she's one of the 
funniest, nicest, you know, great, greatest people, um, so silly and fun. And it's because of the treatment that she utilizes. And so through my life, there were some very pinnacle moments. She was hospitalized at one point. Um, she, no treatment was working. So she had to uh, utilize a treatment called electroconvulsive therapy. A lot of people know that as ECT. Um, and just watching her her resilience almost, uh, it just bouncing back every single time. Even as a 12 year old, when that was happening, I remember saying, I wanna help other people's moms get better. And so- That um, is so beautiful. Yeah, and so that's that's how I ended up here. Did you get a bachelor's degree in something also related to what you're doing right now? Yeah, so my bachelor's degree is in psychology. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, my master's degree is in clinical mental health counseling specifically. So um, yeah, so that was that. I've had a few instances so far um, as an intern and then also as just like a younger counselor because I've only been out of grad school for almost three years. Um, A few moments where I've had that connection where someone either you know, has said like, I, I, I've had one or two people say like, you saved my life, which, you know, is a big one, oh, wow. um, of course. Um, but then just other people, like just something that we see a lot in counseling is um, people who come, you know, certainly when they're at their lowest of lows, often don't hear that they're respected. And so um, there's just certain things, just like empathetic responses that are true responses um, and just the way people really react and just to be recognized as human for the first time in who knows how long, um, it just reminds me of that moment. You know, at some point my mom didn't feel like a human and then someone saw her as a human still and was able to help her, so. Oh my gosh, so this 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 is a passion that's been embedded within your mind. Like, I can't fathom you doing anything else. This is, this <laughs> me is- Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> I took oh a career uh, inventory once and it told me I should be a sports broadcaster. That would be pretty cool, but I really like counseling, so. <laughs> that's so funny. I'm, I'm what, <laughs> like, what did you do, have an idea what you said that it was like, oh, maybe sports broadcasting instead? I'm sure there was a uh, a question like, do you like hearing yourself talk? And I said, yes. Uh, so. <laughs> and they're like, well, you can't be a therapist because you got to listen to other people. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Aww. Oh, so. my goodness. All right. Uh, so so that's what that's what motivate. And your mom's story is one that we've definitely, um, you know, we've 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 heard before. There's quite a few people in this community who have experienced either something like that or have parents who've dealt with something like that. So thank you for sharing that. And of course. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, I wouldn't have shared that if um, she wouldn't have shared it. And if, if she was here, she would probably share more than people would want to hear. That's, that, but so. that's she's a freaking badass. That's really cool of her. Too. My mom is a badass, absolutely, hundred percent. Quote me on that, Dana. <laughs> well, because uh, I mean, it's especially it's it's even harder. I mean, as hard as it is for you know people my age to talk about it, I'm assuming your mom is older than you, and you yeah. know the more generations behind, uh, the harder it is to talk about that stuff. So, absolutely. Um, so all all props to her. That's awesome. Is there yes. anything that you could tell us a little bit more about ECT? Because that is something that I've been seeing. Just recently, I believe um, they the FCC has validated uh, over the counter like ECT treatments, and that freaked the crap out of me. So I've been looking into them more and more. So I wanted to kind of, if you have any input on that. Yeah. So um, I certainly try not to give 
my opinion too much, but I'm going to go on the record and say over-the-counter ECT sounds also freaks me out a little bit too. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but so when ECT is administered in a clinical setting by someone who's trained to be administering it, it's basically seizing your brain. So it's administering a seizure. Wow. And the interesting thing about ECT is that they don't really know why it's working. Um, so when- That is terrifying. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? And you know, I, I, I do also want to go on the record and say that maybe that information has changed, but certainly the last time that I was doing research on it, because obviously I have a personal interest in it. Um, it was still kind of like, we know that it's sending, uh, you know, shockwaves essentially through your brain. So in my opinion, it's really just giving you, as my mom used to say, it's giving you a recharge um, and it's sort of just setting things straight. So not to get too scientific or clinical, but many of you probably know that when you're depressed, your levels of serotonin are very low. And my mom basically just does not produce serotonin naturally at this point. So by doing the ECT and also by taking medication and going to therapy, all of those treatment methods together was able to get her serotonin levels back to what would be a natural level so that she can be happy. Asking if, is ECT a direct current? I don't know 100%. I'm not an expert on ECT. I really just know about it because it interests me. I would definitely encourage you to Google search that in the right forums, which we're gonna talk about that a little bit later um, and find that information because um, I don't wanna give you the wrong answer. Basically, the idea is that it would jumpstart things that haven't been working yet and exactly. hopefully make connections in your brain that haven't been connected yet. And so right. basically creating new pathways and thereby hoping that, uh, you know, because everything gets a little bit of an extra kick, it's basically able to function a little bit better. That's the idea. Um, right. And the side effects, uh, from what I understand, aren't that bad other than mem like some, uh, there'll be like spotty memory loss. Yeah. Um, so um, there were a few times I, I don't remember exactly how old I was. I had to drive my mom to the hospital uh, a few a handful of times when she was doing it um and it, but, but but by this point um you know it had been ha she'd been having it for a long time so um she started um doing it when i was 12 and then i think she did it um like every three months for a very long time so um i was driving her at one point the main side effects that we saw um was the memory loss and it was more short term so like long term stuff wasn't really affected but it was like she almost she didn't like remember waking up that day or oh. really much leading up to that um and then she was also very emotional after it so like we'd go out to breakfast and she would um most of the times we went out for breakfast um she would cry i was younger then so now understanding certainly just how mental health treatment works. Yeah, is, the toll it takes. Uh, yeah. It might just be very emotional for any way. She, her, it might have been, you know, she's getting better, she's feeling better. Um, and her, her, I'm saying this um, very bluntly, jokingly, but on purpose, something I care very much about, her brain just got zapped. So that's a little weird. Right, so right, right. Be, you know, just responding to that in a human way, mm -hmm. so. It's, it's, I mean, you take medication and, and that takes a lot of, uh, you know, like mental fortitude to kind of continue taking it despite what people say and, and all that and just taking it and, and that personal battle of, I don't feel like I'm controlling this. I feel like it's controlling me, but I do understand that I'm controlling it by taking this. Like, so if all that goes into taking a pill, I can only imagine what it's like to say like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go and this doctor is going to zap me with a current and uh, good luck with that. Right.
basically the ECT is kind is almost a last resort and not because it's dangerous and not because of this and that but because most of the other treatment methods that are out there work really well mm-hmm. um, and when it comes to mood disorders in general um, it tends to be pretty effective in fact the last time like I said I was doing research I saw that it was even starting to be used for individual individuals with um, schizophrenia too so yes. they're noticing that it has um, really good effects when it is re- like the last thing to use. Um, so if anyone in chat is interested in like maybe they're looking for new treatment methods, please consult a medical professional first because yes, there might yes. be other things that are that are a better fit to try first, of course. Uh, and I do want to clarify the ones that are at home. So the ones that I've seen at home, they, they're not like as potent. It's not the same kind sure. of voltage. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, that would be really um, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Me out. <laughs> yeah, like that should not be in, in the axe, but uh, it's like a little machine, and you wet these. Uh, you they ask that you wet cotton balls, and you like you put them on the machine, and then you attach that to your forehead, and that that's what helps, uh, like conduit the surge. But I don't know much more about that other than like this is how it's going to work, and <laughs> just reading all of it, I was like, this nobody should have access to this just in their house. Nobody should be like, what do I? to pick up today at the grocery store i'm gonna all right i'm gonna get myself some um, uh, melatonin you know i can't sleep maybe some chamomile so that i can i can relax yeah right and then maybe i could just zap myself okay that's and 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 i can imagine people being like this is more natural so it's better for i can totally imagine that um yeah yeah so i would say that this is um if we had to treat this like pokemon um i wouldn't say this is a common form of treatment i say this is like an uncommon to a rare card of treatment yeah um so i I think again i think that this is something that is for very severe in most cases mood disorders specifically like someone had mentioned before um specifically depression um i i don't think i've seen too much of this with anxiety which is a you know its own version of a mood disorder and again i'm not quite sure about bipolar disorder i don't want to speak too much to that i don't want to give the wrong information well with bipolar it what i well from what i understand with bipolar it depends on you know do you have uh, more manic episodes versus depressive episodes versus so all of that but it is a from what i understand also it is a last form of treatment it is a nothing else is working and so this is what we're going to do and, and your statement about the um, whether someone experiences more mania or more depression is kind of what I was thinking. Um, yeah. I would imagine that um, someone who's more manic probably wouldn't respond very well to um, this type of treatment right. just because all the other um, data is, is saying that someone who's feeling very depressed now feels better. And so for someone who's very manic to like, my feeling is that it would heighten them even more. And right, right. It might be contradictory to what you're Correct. trying to right. accomplish. Yeah. Um, but then maybe it's easier to manage the mania afterwards. I, I, I don't know, because the depression, like the depressive episode. But that's fascinating to me that, you know, like you're, you had a loved one go through it and we, you still don't know. I know you're also not the kind of person that's going to start pulling things out of your butt just to pretend that you know something, but like you still, you don't pretend like you know more than, you know, more than that. No. Yeah. And I mean, that's the beauty within mental health professionals, whether you're a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a therapist, a social worker, um, you know, we all have our different areas of expertise and even within our own little bubbles. So even 
mental health counselors have our own uh, areas of expertise, you know, so I, I know people who they really just specialize uh, working with kids with autism. Um, and some people really specialize with uh, men in their, you know, midlife with mood disorders. It's really just, um, it, that's the beauty of it. That's one of the things that I really like. And again, which one are you planning to specialize in? I haven't decided. Okay. Um, I, I, I feel like I want to be someone who will just uh, see whoever needs help. Um, but I don't know. I think that I would do really well working with individuals with mood disorders just because of the history I've had and just how enthusiastic I am about the topic. I also have a real passion for individuals with autism, and that's something I've learned in the type of work I'm doing now and then some um, volunteer work I did uh, before I went to grad school. I really learned that, that was a population that I really liked. It's uh, and it's also the kind of thing from what I understand if you're general enough and if you have your own private practice you really can treat anybody in the variety that you're comfortable with is that yeah because I know that that's what my therapist does like her specialty is in child psychology but she, she does couples therapy when you know when I've asked her to and um, like I know she sees plenty of adult patients other than myself and yeah sure yeah and it's it's almost less about the population and more about how you provide the counseling. So mm. there's this amazing statistic, which wouldn't surprise me if you already know, but 70% of what makes a uh, therapy treatment successful is the therapeutic alliance that's built between the counselor and the client. So if a client and a counselor connect um, between the first and even the second session, when those types of, um, when that alliance is being built, the chance of the, um, therapy being successful goes up by 70 percent wow um, so, i didn't know that but i 110 percent believe that for sure <laughs> right so it's um that's like what when people when clients are responding to you know how what was the most important piece of therapy for you they list that therapeutic alliance um and and that usually does lead people to success i believe that i i believe that in just in my personal experience alone sure same yeah yeah so have have you yourself I, I hope this is okay to ask but have you yourself uh, been to a therapist and, and done therapy yeah so um one of the other pieces that led me towards counseling um was a personal something that happened to me that um led me towards really going to um counseling for the first time so when when i was uh, a senior in college um in my undergrad someone who I was very good friends with. I knew for three years, we lived together. Um, my friend, uh, his name was Chris, died suddenly in our apartment. Um, and he he had oh a, yeah, he had a heart condition that he didn't know about. And I wasn't home at the time, but another really good friend of mine um, was home and uh, found him after a long period of time in his bathroom he had he was going to take a shower he didn't even get out he wasn't even able to get out of his clothes he just he just died oh, um man. and then after that um i just had very bad anxiety you know i i, I thought if uh my then boyfriend now fiance if he didn't answer and i thought he was somewhere where he should be able to answer, I thought he was dead. Um, oh I distinctly God. remember that summer or that spring, um, I have a younger brother who is, he's eight years younger than me. So he was at home with my parents and they went on a trip. And I remember them traveling 
And at one point I had called my dad or somebody and they didn't answer and I knew they were driving and my dad didn't answer. So I start, I, I kind of just broke down immediately and was having an anxiety attack that they were dead. And so um, it all um, accumulated into one moment when my then boyfriend, now fiance, um, was on a business trip and um, he was just... Uh, I, I look back on it, um, and I'm saying this on purpose too, with shame in that moment, because that's something that's very common with mental health, is we, we feel a lot of shame when we have these these experiences with mental health. And, you know, the, I would wake up at four in the morning and call him to make sure he was alive while he was on this business trip. Oh. And, um, you know, I'd make him shower with the phone on so that I could hear him and make sure he didn't die. And, oh, um, goodness. On the day he was coming back, he was supposed to be done with this exam he was taking at 8.30. And when I didn't get a call at 8.30, that was it. I was sure the building he was in blew up or the bus he was on exploded or something completely irrational. Um, and I ended up in fetal position having an anxiety attack at my work. I was working at a movie theater at the time and I was in the back. Um, and I just had, had very bad anxiety. I called my dad. And I was just like, I don't know what I was saying into the phone, basically just like scream crying into the phone and like hyperventilating as you do when we have anxiety attacks. Um, and he said, uh, my dad, I remember him saying, Rach, uh, you are 50 plus miles away from me. I can't do anything right now. You need to get help. And um, certainly as I've explained the story to you guys about my mom, um, mental health was not something we didn't talk about. We talked about mental health a lot growing up in my family. Um, and so in that moment, while he was saying that, my fiance called me. Um, and so immediately, of course, my anxiety yeah. died that instant because, hey, the thing that was making me anxious now um, was here and he was alive still. So, um, but after I talked to him and was anxious for the rest of the day, because oh, he also had to fly home at that point. So, you know, the plane was probably going to blow up or something. Of course. Um, and yeah, of course. Yeah. I, right. I, uh, I grew up with separation anxiety too. So th th these all sound really familiar. Yeah. And so, um, basically he came home and at that time I was lucky enough, I was still a student. So I was able to receive free counseling through my, um, college or university. So any of you guys, um, go to a college or university, see if they have counseling centers. You might be able to access that service for free. Um, but, uh, so I did that. And the woman, um, who helped me, the counselor, she did some exposure therapy with me. And, um, I think I was seeing her for, um, maybe like five or six sessions. And she really just helped me explore, um, what things I was doing to increase anxiety when I thought it was decreasing my anxiety. And I learned, um, about how to recognize when my anxiety is getting bad. Um, so I actually still struggle with anxiety. Um, I get very, um, caught in the moment and I can't really focus on anything else except for how I'm feeling. Um, I'm really proud of when I can recognize when I'm anxious, but, um, I still need therapy and I go when I need to go and just talk it out and learn new coping skills too. So, um, uh, that was my friend died in 2012. So that was almost seven years ago. Mm -hmm. He actually died March 31st, so that's coming up. Um, but he, uh, that moment um, was really uh, quintessential almost. You know, that me going to therapy was really just like the nail in the coffin to like, oh boy, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, I, I, it was reaffirmed that I'm going to go help other people's moms and that I'm going to go help people just like myself. 
Oh my goodness. So thank you so much for sharing that story. That that can't be easy to have yeah. to retell. So so thank you. Thank you very much yeah. for that. Sorry I that was a lot. I just I talk really fast. No, no, no. We do not apologize for telling our story on an interview show where we're supposed to tell <laughs> our story. No, no, no. I'm not taking that apology. Sorry. Sorry, I'm taking it back. <laughs> good, good. Is your anxiety more uh, like separation anxiety or is it now like a kind of generalized anxiety more so? Um, so without diagnosing myself, because um, I don't do that. <laughs> um, no, no. Oh, I, I assume. I, sorry. I assumed you had a diagnosis. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. I actually have never been given a diagnosis. So I, I'm careful to even say that I have anxiety, okay. but just in my understanding of how I get. Yeah, no, I of course. Of course. Way, right. It certainly feels like anxiety. If I had right. a client who was me, I would say <laughs> you, have you might have anxiety. Yeah. So um, I think that it's more generalized now and it stems from uh, the same thing from when my friend died. It's um, yeah. this lack of control. When I when I can't have uh, not like bad control, but like when I can't the unknown. When I'm scared of something and I don't know how it's going to play out, I get very anxious mm-hmm. and I get very um, I isolate and I get you know my 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 chest starts to clench and I'm very hot and the whole thing. So I think it's more generalized, just depending on those situations. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, so I do want to kind of go into, so you, you went into, uh, you know, mental health and you just said, I don't want to diagnose myself. So you're kind of, you're following all the rules that we have here on the channel. Um, but also I, um, I appreciate the fact that you clearly have a little bit of a separation between like, Hey, uh, you know, this is somebody treating me versus me treating myself. Uh, Mm -hmm. and we did want to talk about gatekeeping and I feel like this is a really good time uh, to, to move into that. So what is, what does gatekeeping mean to you and, and kind of like what's the big deal yeah so um i did a little research today just to get an idea of what what gatekeeping means to people who aren't mental health counselors because i know that there's a difference when i say gatekeeping in my own mind and then people who oh i want to hear both yes yes right so there's there's different types of gatekeeping so when i say that i'm going to gatekeep what it really means is i want to be the person who who has the good information and provides it to people when they need it or when when they're asking for it. Um, Actually, just yesterday, um, so part of me becoming a licensed mental health counselor includes supervision. I have to go to uh, meet with a licensed mental health counselor who, not for counseling, but to discuss my professional growth. Mm -hmm. And just yesterday, I was informing, we were talking a little bit about this and, he said we were talking about providing diagnoses to our clients Mm -hmm. and how me him and then my partner for supervision we all believe that that's a good thing we like to provide diagnoses while sometimes yeah they can feel like a label a lot of times they help our clients better understand what's going on for the right person it's it's important and then Correct. i can understand if i had her. a client who was like don't tell me i would be like all right I'm not gonna right you. right or so if you have a client who you feel like might be at risk more if you do tell them that might set them off or something right you correct know. yeah and so um but with that being said um i don't want to give someone i don't want someone to receive a diagnosis go and google it because you're going to Google it and find information that is mean and dark and harsh and not accurate. And so by being a gatekeeper, what that means to me is I'm going to provide you with real um, evidence, you know, based information about your diagnosis and about what mental health 
counseling is, what treatment is, and how to best do it. Um, so I know that there's controversy about people being gatekeepers, um, but I like to think of myself as someone who's going to provide you with information that you can use to feel healthy and okay. And uh, I don't like to use the word normal often, but natural. It's natural to have a mental health diagnosis. Um, it's not something that uh, everybody has, but we're humans and many people have them and that's okay. So, I mean, by gatekeeper, I think you mean like more like information keeper. That's what it sounds Almost. like to me. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like like the, the vessel by which I will get information that I know I can rely on. So like you're yeah. like, uh, you're like the Google Scholar version of gatekeeping. That's, that's, uh, that's different. <laughs> me and many other people. Yeah. I mean, that's just what I, that's how I assign gatekeeping. Yeah. Um, cause there's some kinds of gatekeeping that are not right. Yeah, and I do um, I do want to talk about that. So when I posted my my article it was called Let's Stop Mental Health Gatekeeping and what I meant was there is this like aversion and I've seen a lot of doctors get immediately defensive and I understand why when uh, when when regular people uh, or by regular people here I mean people who are not uh, you know don't have a degree or don't have a background in counseling um, so when those people start speaking up about their conditions, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, professionals get up in arms and kind of get back and, and get really apprehensive. And I totally understand why that happens. It's because sure. you don't want people, you, you don't want all the harmful things to happen, right? You don't want people self-diagnosing. You don't right. want people uh, self-administering themselves uh, medication somehow by some illegal means. You don't want people giving advice to others about medication or, or saying like, like, oh, don't take that. When I took it, I had this kind of side effect. And you don't want to, like, the the potential threat from all of that is big and scary enough that you would want to avoid it as much as possible. And I totally understand that. But um, what, what ends up happening when I see this defensiveness is that people like me are less likely to speak up because they're just like, oh, I'm going to say the wrong thing. And as long as, and, you know, there's a few rules uh, that I, like, I definitely I'm a big proponent of which is you know don't diagnose other people don't tell other people what medication they should be taking and do not share your stories as though um as though they are gospel share them as they are your own personal stories um and so kind of going off of those three principles you should be safe i again i understand so to me gatekeeping is that extremism it's not i'd rather you ask me than go home and google this it's more like no why are you even talking about this i don't this is you're not qualified to tell us other people what depression feels like uh which is like well i'm qualified to tell people about my experience and i'm qualified <laughs> to tell other people about what i read and how i interpreted what i read uh sure. and, and as, sorry go ahead go ahead no no no. go ahead i'm sorry go uh ahead. no as long as as long as that's clear in my conversations and as long as that's clear uh in in my writing and everything then there really shouldn't be an issue but again I do understand the, the defensiveness that comes in right right away. Yeah, and I think that does have to do a little bit with um, what I what I said about like I don't want I don't want my clients to go out and Google stuff because they're just going to hear a bunch of, uh, of garbage, right? Right. So yeah. I, I, it's it's a it's a weird um, uh, feeling because I'm sitting here and just like you said, I'm totally understanding what you're talking about, and we can get into a few things that I'm. I'm big advocate for, which is um, 
peer mentoring yeah, and right. um, support groups, of course. And um, but I'm also an advocate for I don't want people who aren't mental health professionals giving out information that might not be accurate. Yeah. Um, you don't do that. I'm not throwing you under that bus. But no, no, no. And I, <laughs> I don't mean to be all pretentious and be like, but I don't do that. But like, <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about. There was an account and I'm not going to, um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create a bastardized version of the name so that I don't, so that people don't go on Googling, but let's say the account's name was, uh, De Depressed Barbie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not far from a real thing, but so don't go Googling it. You don't need to. But when I was, when I was reading her stuff, it was, she was one of the first things that I hit when I started looking at, uh, the field that I wanted to like when I when I decided I wanted to do what I'm doing now I started looking into like hey what are people doing and she was one of the reasons why I was like oh my god I need to do what I'm planning on doing because otherwise this person exists and this person has a majority share of uh you know influence right now on Twitter and whatever it might be and so right now people are listening to her and going yeah this might must be right because enough people follow her and enough people yeah. uh you know she has enough of a following in and that's usually sometimes it's enough to uh, for people to assume that's a criteria um, right yeah yeah no, and and that's a great point so you know it's um we live in a day and age because the internet is so accessible and because we can all make a name for ourselves on the internet yep um it's easy to see someone with um flashy anything and and then just talking about something that you're interested in and think that it's um it's true right and so that's where my role as a mental health professional comes in by saying like look this person has a lot of really good and interesting things to say but that doesn't mean it's right and i'm going to show you why it's not potentially and so that's that's also what i mean by gatekeeping so i'm gatekeeping the good information um and giving it to individuals when i'm recognizing hey that's not right so uh and <laughs> So, so do you feel, do you get all down in the dumps? Because I certainly do sometimes where I'm like, why is the bad, crappy information prevailing? Like, why is that? Why are people listening to that? Because I, I understand it's easier to hear that, right? Well, um, you took my answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think that like a lot of different things in our society, and that's a separate issue, uh, it's just ingrained in what we know. And it's, it's ingrained in what we learn. Um, in the houses that we grow up with. And that's not a jab at anybody's family. That's just what we know. You know, there's, um, my household was different than most people. I knew people who didn't talk about mental health. Mm -hmm. um, we did because it was something that was a part of our everyday lives. Um, and when you, when we all grow up in a society where um, we don't talk about it, it's easier to, to read something familiar and say, oh yeah, okay, well duh, like I already knew that. Mm -hmm. To learn something new, to hear something that contradicts what you already know, that's just blasphemy, that's hard. Um, and so by just keeping on with what we already know, it just makes our lives that much easier. Yeah, mental health right. is scary. Yeah, if you're depressed, you're you're screwed. Um, yeah, if you're anxious, then okay, well, I guess you're just gonna be a nervous wreck all the time. Um, well, and you know, the big one is, well, if you, if you're psychotic, then you're just, that's the end of your life. It's just easier for people to, to accept that than it is to accept that actually, well, if you're depressed, um, there's so many types of treatment for depression that you're actually 
more likely to feel better. Um, and if you're anxious, there's a lot of really great mindfulness uh, and coping strategies to help you in that moment recognize how you're feeling and calm yourself down. And of course, for individuals who are experiencing psychosis and schizophrenia, well, that one is a very pervasive disorder, but there's a lot of treatment um, you can definitely uh, live a lot. I know, I know people who have schizophrenia or psychosis yeah. and they live yeah. lives where they go to jobs and you yeah. know, they find and, ways to make it work. Yeah. Right. And, and they live and, and spoiler alert, um, they, they are like 1% of violent crimes that are committed are by individuals. Yes, preach. We talk about this all the time on the show. Yeah. 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 And so, so not a spoiler alert for anybody. Um, (laughs) So uh, it's, it's just, I, I, it's, it's hard for me. Again, I try not to like go on a soapbox a lot because. No, this um, is your soapbox. Get get on it. (laughs) This is the box. It's hard for me to understand how people still like, or not like, but still choose to recognize that mental health is scary. Mental health diagnoses are scary when it's, they're just as treated and just as common as diabetes and cancer. And, you know, people use this cliche all the time, but no, but it's because we're trying to make it pervasive in our culture that people comprehend that. I guess I kind of want to get your take without like, without like, I don't know, without trash talking, without naming anybody specifically. Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) Is what do you consider to be like the word, like stuff you've seen on, we're probably going to pick on Twitter because it's just the easiest, Um, but stuff you've seen on social media where you're like, that was, that represents everything that I don't want mental health to be represented by. And like, um, well, I'm going to answer this kind of in two ways. So I actually try and stay away from crappy social media because what? of my no, profession. Okay. So it's hard for me to even say like, so-and-so's Twitter sucks. Um, but I, um, I'm part of a community that's really bad about mental health and that would be the gaming community mm-hmm. and I'm part of it. And that's why, um, I'm here right now because we're on Twitch and there's a lot of people on Twitch who, who game and come across your stream and watch. Um, and I'm also part of a community called ProjectGuardians.org, which started out as, um, well, it's still the same thing, but it used to be the St. 14 project, which was, um, something related to the game destiny and destiny two. Um, but it is a place for gamers of all communities to come together and talk about their mental health um there's a discord for it and we have people in there who are actively experiencing mental health symptoms and um, we have mental health professionals i'm part of that team and we go into private chats with these individuals and we talk them through so we're not providing counseling we're kind of providing like crisis intervention um but it just provides a safe place for people who play video games to come and that's amazing you have a discord yeah Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I need the link to that, yeah. dude. I'm sure I'll there's send people. It to you. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm sure there's people, people who would love, love to see that and would love to join because a lot of the, you know, what we talk about a lot in our Discord is like this is all fine and dandy, and we're going to support the way we know how to support, but it's not going to be professional help, and it's not going to be talking you off in a, you know, talking out. Yeah, a and and we. So I'm part of the professional mental health team there. We have a psychiatrist. Um, we have a social worker. We have a registered um, psychiatric nurse. So there's just a big, um, oh you know, multidimensional team. Yes. Um, but the reason, and I'll, I will somehow get that Discord um, to you, and then you can give it to your community. I would love um, to do that, and because yeah, people I, ask me all the time when they, you know, they'll join my Discord or they'll be looking for a Discord like that. So I would love to be able to point them in that direction. Yeah, I actually posted um, your 
this your your uh, Twitch URL in in oh, there so that they can stop in if they if they have the time to watch tonight. So that is um, so cool. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, but but the what I wanted to to say why I brought that up was because the gaming community is so toxic. It's so yeah. toxic for individuals who have have mental health diagnoses. There was the um, that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No. 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 Uh, it's it's just I remember it was sometime uh, early last year or end of last year when this this clip went viral this guy being like yeah if you like want to go kill yourself just kill yourself i don't think that it's a real thing like yeah Yeah. so yeah (laughs) um there's a lot of different aspects to it um but the main thing that really um grinds my gears if you will is this word that people throw around like it's nothing people are stupid sometimes charlie's dragging right um (laughs) right on the head when, when people use the word uh triggered I hate it. It's not nice. No. Don't use it. Yeah. It's it's something that is just like a lot of other things, um, stigmatized and we we use it as a way to negatively connotate what people are experiencing. Um another word, I'm actually not gonna say it begins with an R. It was something that was very popularly in the nineties. Um I tend to uh um I tend to not get very offended. I tend to say, like, if someone's going to say stupid things, I'm just going to let them do it. It doesn't offend me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when that word is used, the word that begins with an R, um, I stop what I'm doing in a game, and I tell people not to use it. Um, it's not appropriate. Um, we, we know that that word means just things go slow. It just slows things down. Like It's not even a word that needs to be used. Yeah, um, there are alternatives, yeah. People use the word autistic when people uh, used to word, use the word gay. Yes, um, people uh, and uh, cancer is another one. I know that's not mental health. Related. Oh no, There's, but it drives terrible. me. Speaking of which, drives me crazy. That's yeah. one that I'm trying to get out of my vernacular because it's not like, yeah, yeah. But you know, and it's just using these words just continues to reinforce us recognizing how scary and bad mental health is. Um, you know. I, I've only recently seen people start using like, oh, that's autistic as like an insult. And I'm like, are you kidding me? People with autism are like the coolest and greatest yeah. and smartest people you'll yep. ever meet. Yep. So it's not an insult. I don't understand. Right, right. Well, that's kind of like I remember I was one of those kids in high school would be looking back then. It was probably obnoxious, but I know I would not change it for the world. What if someone would be like, oh, that's so gay. And I'd be like, yeah, is it really cool and fun and like a <laughs> rainbow? Yeah, it right. is. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, and um, I was very popular, you guys. Yeah, well, so so was I. So, well, <laughs> uh, so I I recently switched offices, but the office that I worked in before this one, I had a really good connection with my my previous supervisor, and he was very in touch with using the word crazy, and yeah, it I use it a lot. I do and, too, and it it's not and good, I, and, and I know that there's alternatives. He, yes, he started using the word wild which i thought was great because that's what we mean yeah this was wild extraordinary so out of uh, unexpected right that's so frustrating that's yeah i right and i try very hard to to use wild now too because crazy gets um uh uh, connected to psychotic and then dangerous really really quick yep and by the way um 
psychosis. As we mentioned before, it doesn't mean dangerous all the time. So I like Jar Jar Far there writing, are you wild? Um, <laughs> I'm always wild. Uh, yeah, so. Um, uh, or, yes, or, I see tons of alternatives, but wild's the best. Keep using it, man. Let's let's make it happen. We're going to spread it across the USA. I here. try. I tr- so, but you have a hard time. That makes me feel a little bit better because I catch. It's one of those things where now I catch myself say it and I go like, "There's a little cringe in my head," <laughs> yeah. but I've still said it and like it comes out before I think about it, which means that like that's still not great that's still not where i want it to be i want to be able to be like i'm about to say this word let me find an alternative really quick uh and i'm not there yet yeah someone i i don't remember who it was someone a little while up there in the chat um said that when you're used to saying something you don't even realize how toxic it is yeah yeah and so and that's and that's true you know and i work with individuals with psychotic disorders and 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 you know cognitive disorders and things like that and um I still use it and it's not because I'm negatively connotating. It's just no. the word I use. So many people get defensive, like uh, defensive being like, well, that's not, they're not consciously using it that way, but it's not right. the usage that matters. It's a, that it's harmful. And right. yeah. And I totally, I totally agree with that. I mean, if it slips out and it's not your, your intent is, is not right. Then you really shouldn't get defensive when somebody says, Hey, that, I didn't like the fact that you use that. If you're getting defensive and trying to defend your use of a bad word, that's when, well, it sounds like you did mean it not very nicely because why would you be so defensive about it otherwise? Right, exactly. Um, and and just to, to sort of um, bring it back to the question that you asked, that is where I see the most, like, you know, shake my head. Like you, you guys, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just shameful. And I, um, and, and to be a part of it too, I'm also like, man, I'm just, I'm part of this community that just uses these words willy nilly. And it's, it's not, it doesn't do anything to promote, um, ending the stigma. It doesn't do anything to promote advocacy. It doesn't do anything to promote the millions of people who play video games and have mental health diagnoses. Yes. Um, doesn't make them feel better, right. <laughs> especially when we are, many of us are playing video games to feel better. And then we have to sit and listen to people say, you know, how crazy we are. Just unpleasant. Just unpleasant. Yeah. People are used to doing or saying things and they become defensive and resistant to change because to do so, we'd accept that they did something wrong. And then that makes them like feel bad about their self-image. And a lot of people equate doing something wrong with being bad and then they fight tooth and nail for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I get that it's not easy to admit your mistakes, but you're a way bigger person if you do and you just go like... I mean, even for example, me, I've caught myself. So I'm a, um, as a take this ambassador, um, for, for take this.org, the mental health site, um, they're, they're, they're fantastic. And being an ambassador for them is great, but they were the ones that brought it up to the surface of, Hey guys, one of the things that we ask you that you don't do in your streams is use the word crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've caught myself saying it on camera in front of uh, our our clinical director and then being like, ooh, and I can't even fathom being defensive after that because like, I, I, I don't know, being de- being defensive when you know you're wrong is, is, I guess it's also admitting that like, 
people get people get really upset because they worry that we're in some kind of like a PC world war with the world, some political correctness nonsense, and and then they feel like they need to speak of gatekeeping that they need to be the gatekeepers of like I say what I want, and yeah. it's all stupid to be completely like that's well, just all wrong. I, well, I think it's less PC and more just like look, we need to, we're recognizing as a society and across the world too. I saw there were some international fans in chat, so I don't want to just like be the stereotypical American. (laughs) It's just America. We're the best. Um, It's just America. There's this trend across the world that people are recognizing, hey, we are not approaching this topic correctly. Let's change that. That's different than being PC. And we can get on the PC box. That's a different box. Um, (laughs) Oh, sorry. We have have not activated that box today. Sorry. Right. That box is over here. Um, But we, um, we, as a world, are recognizing there's better ways to talk about this topic that um, we need to explore. That's not PC. That's just, oh, we've been doing this wrong. Let's fix it. Uh, There's a great quote that's on top of, sorry, it's on top of my cork board. So, and I always like to quote it, but I always forget who said it. John Stuart Mill said, etiquette is not censorship. Yes. And that's, that's really the bottom line there. Uh, your intent, if you if you've offended somebody, uh, actually this comes up also with uh, recently people have been getting upset over the use of committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're supposed to say they died by suicide or um, completed or, is something we use as well. Oh, really? So completed is better than that's new. I haven't heard that before. I it doesn't. It's not better. I just um, I've heard people within my um, community of professional health, uh, mental health in my community of mental health professionals use, um, they completed suicide. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. That's, that's interesting. But so that's been one where I don't know how I feel about it. So I'd kind of want to get your take. And, and before I do that, Charles, um, yeah, when you, you get defensive when basically you feel like somebody's saying you're a bad person for saying things this way and I'm a better person because I corrected you. Um, you know, there's also, that's on us. There's a nice way to correct somebody, um, you know, and it depends on their intent too. If somebody's, you know, using the hard R and they're doing so with the intent to be hurtful and they know that that's a bad word, um, yeah. you know, then that's a very different correction that I'm going to give that person versus somebody just said like just says it in passing that I'm going to be like hey I'm not comfortable with that term you probably shouldn't use it you know the very different types of correction but I I understand that it's it's also on me if I want to be if I want to ask people to be patient I should also be patient with them right yeah yeah I, I I I don't like to be mean when people are using language that's crappy unless like you said unless I know that it's intended to be hurtful. Mm-hmm. I was at a really good friend's house um, on Christmas Eve and we were walking and the person who I was with said, well, that was really hard R. And then she stopped and said, you know, I shouldn't say that. And I was like, you shouldn't. And you're right. So try not to. And she was like, I'm going to, I'm going to make a conscious effort to not use that anymore. And, and lo and behold, she's not a horrible person. <laughs> right. And so, and, and, and she is not um, our age. She's in a different generation than us. So the fact that even people outside of our generation, generation and you know our generation tends to be you know pretty progressive with this kind of stuff um it's nice to see that people outside of our generation are recognizing like ooh, that's bad right yeah um yeah so about about suicide so that terminology is off and that's one of those where i don't know how i feel about it because i do feel like that is the correct terminology i don't 
Um, I don't see the other side of why that that's not the right thing to say. Um, not that I like haven't, uh, maybe I just haven't heard an argument that I agree with. Like it, there's nothing been there out there that's been convincing enough that like this will hurt somebody because that it's just been, that's not the term we want to use now. That's, uh, th that's the only excuse I've heard so far. And that's been like, well, I don't agree with that. So, uh, so what I say is, you know, if if that has to do with the survivors of the suicide you know the relatives of the, the survivors of whoever has uh gone through the suicide if they want to use death by suicide or they want to say that the person just died whatever the, the terminology they choose to use is what i'm going to go for uh but i personally am not sure why using the word complete uh you know committed suicide is not accurate do you have any insight into that um, I really don't. Um, okay. I I only recently learned that people were using different phrases. I have heard like what you mentioned, which is died by suicide. Um, I've heard completed suicide. I've heard some people say they don't like that one really either because like sometimes the word completed is like positively connotated and people are like, oh, completed suicide. But um, it's, I think committed is almost like the only thing that I could really pull from that um, make it sound like a free choice. Um, but the other thing I, it almost sounds accusatory as well. And so, um, one of the things that I learned when I was writing my case notes, for example, and I know this is kind of like jargony, but please don't no, really it's like, the best. Go ahead. I, don't, I don't really like to use the word claims. Mm -hmm. It's claim sounds accusatory. It sounds like I'm saying that this, my client is now claiming. That oh, this is oh, they're just saying that. Yeah, sure. That's right. what they're saying. So like, mm -hmm. This person committed suicide, right? So like they made this choice to do something really unfortunate. And while I do believe that suicide is a choice, it is something yeah, that someone- Yeah, so that's maybe where I get lost. Go, go, um, so it, go on. I, I think, yeah, and also it's tied to a criminal act as well. And oh, so it, okay. it's just, I think that it's just negatively connotated. While I'm here, I am not sold on it either, um, but I get it. And, and especially as someone who doesn't use the word claim in case notes, which is like a thing that everybody does, I get it. I also don't use, um, and, and this should not change anyone's mind from using it, I'm careful to use mental illness actually, because illness has a uh, negative connotation to it as well. So when I'm talking about um, individuals who experience mental health symptoms, I'll say it like that, you know, mm -hmm. experiencing mental health symptoms or they have mental health diagnosis or they're, um, you know, seeking treatment for mental health, but that's just a personal preference. So mental health illness or mental illness, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just my own personal preference. So, but that's exactly, that's the thing to me. It's if, if I had said mental illness to you and you said, I'm not comfortable saying that I would have just tried to watch my language around you. I don't think I, I would have never told you to not say it, <laughs> but I don't, but if it was the case, you know, I don't think I would have ever taken it personally and been like, I must, you must think I'm a terrible person because I, I use mental illness to me. Uh, it helps just distinguish between the two because I, because mm -hmm. I've seen sentences like mental health is everything. Mental health is everywhere. And mm -hmm. I just am like, wait, what? Like, that just makes no sense to me because <laughs> in any context. Um, yeah. And they're like, everything in you is mental health. And I'm like, wait, no, 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 that's not. So um, I, I use it as a distinction. A mental illness is the pathology, is the, uh, yeah. yeah, it's the pathology. That's the easiest way to explain it, is, yeah. is uh, <laughs> explaining the disease when you're, it's pertaining to the disease. Mental health is your state of health is is yeah. and then you would add an adjective explaining what the state of your mental health is
So like I'm in good mental health. I'm in poor mental health. Uh, I, you know, I'm having mental health issues right now. Like that all. So I've been using it as a way to distinguish that because I've seen mental health used so incorrectly. Uh, like I, that's, the sentence that, that's a great point. That's a great point. The, the sentence that really sticks out to me is someone said, everyone has mental health. And I was <laughs> like, well, what you mean to say is that everyone needs to take care of their mental health or that everyone exactly. has health when it comes to their mentality also mm-hmm. like something in those lines but everyone has mental health is just not a sentence it's it's a nothing right. <laughs> um I get what they're trying to say, but it's so it frustrates me enough that that's why I make the distinction. But I can also understand why somebody would say no to that. Well, yeah, and I think it's um, and and just to almost reiterate what you said, but um, it's basically like if they're using it wrong, then I'm like, well, don't use it like that because now you're just negatively connotating it. But if they're using it pathologically, then I'm like, oh well, this this person obviously has a good understanding of what mental illness means. Right. Right. Yeah, so totally. Yeah. Uh, and then there go, yeah, and then we can go into the whole I'm mentally ill versus I have a mental illness, right? Like I'm bipolar versus I have bipolar. And people get into very heated arguments about that, saying, sure. you know, yes, this does run my life. Yes, this do- it is a majority of me, especially with, mm-hmm. you know, with certain illnesses more so than others. Like, uh, yeah. yes, this does run how I'm able to live. So I am this illness. This illness is a huge part of who I am. Um, Right. But and something that comes up certainly with the type of work I'm doing now, which is helping individuals with disabilities, um, is this idea. And I would I'm I'm not going to be surprised if you've talked about it before, but this idea of people first language, um, Mm -hmm. which is like so earlier in the stream, I said something like helping individuals with autism. Um, A lot of times, you know, we'll see. um, articles that start with, you know, psychotic man burns building down. Uh-huh. Like, okay, first of all, this is a man with a psychotic disorder. He's right. not a psychotic man. Right. Um, right. His diagnosis does not define him. Right. Um, and I've actually on Twitter, so we're kind of going back a little bit, but on Twitter, I've, I've tweeted at Twitter, uh, profiles or whatever the mm-hmm. word is called that I follow. Um, and I said, Hey, you guys need to use people first language here on this. Um, and again, not cause I'm trying to be PC, but this guy, this, this young kid who is meeting his idol who plays for whatever school is more than just his autism. He's a young kid who's meeting his idol. And the reason he's doing that is because, um, he is a child with autism who was bullied. And so it's just, it just changes the entire connotation of the sentence when when you start out with the diagnosis you're you're setting the precedence for oh this autistic kid woe is him well, actually no this kid with with autism happened mm-hmm. to meet his his um his idol and this kid who kid. happens to have autism versus this right. au- this this kid who is this autism right right yeah. right right suicide is more like an intersection like a choice you do want to turn right and make the difficult path in life or do you turn left and take the easy way out Ooh, so i see that's where it gets like that's where it gets really really iffy for me because i don't i do think that suicide is a choice so mm-hmm. i do believe that it is something i am committing to suicide so i'm committing to murdering myself that is how i perceive it but um at the same time I would not say like it's so much of a choice like I feel like it's a choice that you have led up to because the circumstances made you believe in your mind that there is no other option for you so 
it's not it's not the same kind of choice as um like actually killing somebody like you could prevent yourself from doing that i could see how somebody feels like suicide is their only way out and therefore um so it's it is a to me like it 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 is a choice and it isn't if that makes like it's the situation leading up to it is not a choice you not feeling well enough that you feel like you need to end your life that's not a choice uh but ultimately making the you do make the decision ultimately to end your life and so that's why i don't I like I don't disagree with the that language. In my opinion, the best way is to mirror back however the person identifies themselves. I'm schizophrenic. Someone else might want to be called a schizophrenic person. That's a really good point, and that's exactly what I understand how that might yeah. be frustrating though to that person. And that was the conversation that I had a while back, is that it, it can be frustrating to that person to have to keep correcting people uh, and or have to keep feeling like uh, they have to keep re-explaining or being like, yo, well, this is this is me, this is, you know, but I, that's why I say, like, I leave it to the family of survive, the the surviving family, if they choose not to use, you know, if they want me to use died by suicide, then it's no skin off my back to, to use that to respect their wishes. If I had someone tell me, if if you were my client and you said, can you, I, I, I'm a, I'm a schizophrenic. I'd be like, good. All right. You're schizophrenic. Let's go. Um, but I think that the, the big topic is not necessarily when we're talking to individuals, but when we're just talking about individuals who have mental health diagnoses and how as a society and as a world we should um uh just approach the conversation um i i I would say let's err on the side of caution and not assume people want to be designated by their um, diagnosis and if they do then by all means correct me i'll do whatever you want um (laughs) but uh i would rather err on the side of caution that somebody doesn't want to be their diagnosis doesn't mean they're not proud of their diagnosis doesn't mean they don't know their diagnosis it just means that i'm recognizing you are not your diagnosis until you want me to to say that you are and then let's go for it let's do that together but i think that that's a fair thing to say when you when you use a descriptor of yourself versus how other people describe you right like i'm trying to think of other scenarios like she uh like you wouldn't say that female marie you would just say marie who is a woman you don't say like that black kid so and so you you shouldn't even say that anyway but you you know if you were going to designate you say the person's name first and if you needed to use a descriptive word then you say oh he's black or african-american or whatever yes yes i think that's where i was trying to get at yes yeah i got you yeah yeah that's yeah marie who is a woman versus being like that woman that woman marie Marie. right (laughs) yeah everybody loves that that you know that woman yeah uh and it definitely depends on the person but it's a lot of dis. uh but in a lot of disability communities there's a lot of pushback against person first language that is largely put forward by people without disabilities yes uh-huh. That is true. That's that's a whole that's a whole other conversation. That's really really good. Um, just to briefly touch on that, one of the biggest um, communities that I was not as familiar with when I started working where I work now um, was the deaf community, and they are you know staunchly like deaf. We- sorry, D E A F deaf. Deaf. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, they are staunchly. Um, we are deaf. We are not individuals who are deaf. We are deaf. We are deaf. We are deaf. We are deaf. And so I've learned a lot about how they they want to be. I shouldn't say all of them, but many of them that I've learned, uh, who I've met, have indicated they prefer. Um, I'm deaf. 
I, I am deaf so-and-so, we are deaf. And so I say, hey, that's what it is, then that's what it's going to be, and I'm happy about it. It's often expressed D-deaf in text yes. to encompass the range of identities in the D-deaf and hard-of-hearing community. Fascinating. Rachel, this has been so good. I hope it really has been. I'm again so honored to to do this, and um, I've been looking forward to it for since whenever we talked about it. So it is, you're so cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, no I am honored. Are you freaking kidding me? I'm honored. Thank you for thank you for coming on, and I hope to have you on again. Not that Please. we're done, uh, but I yeah, I feel like we've come to like a kind of a natural fall about like discussion of uh, of language and and all that. So I think we've we've come to a place. Do you have any kind yeah. of other final thoughts? I don't want to uh, assume you were done. I, I, I just think that my what I would hope for people who are listening and who are doing the conversation is um, just do your best to um, promote positive um, talk regarding mental health. And um, you'd be surprised that just by, by exhuming that, even confidence in how you talk and the way that you approach the subject, you'll see other people around you who value you um, follow that as well. Yeah. And I think that that's just really what I would want people to take away from that conversation. How do you keep inspired and motivated considering how tiring it might be to be an advocate and to support others? Like, how do you make sure that you don't burn out and have that, um, that sympathy fatigue? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, burnout is something that's that's really a, a hot topic all over the place, um, and then certainly in mental health as well. So, um, I I just I don't bring work home with me. I think is one of the biggest things is because I I, I talk to a lot of people who um, have a lot of really heavy things going on. Um, and by keeping that at work, not because I don't want to think about my clients and, and empathize with them all the time, but by, by allowing myself to empathize about that um, at work allows me to be present with them. Uh, instead of ruminating about them all the time, I get to be present with them in the room. Um, mm, mindfulness and, so and whatnot. Yeah, and so that's, that's a big one for me. Um, and then also I, I set clear boundaries with my friends and my family, mm -hmm. uh, because I, when you're a counselor, when you're any type of professional, people are going to ask you to, um, do your profession, uh, for them, you know, whether you mm -hmm. do videography mm -hmm. or whether you are a scientist mm -hmm. or whether you're a mental health counselor, Say you're a counselor. Could you tell me, right. could you talk to me about my marriage issues or could you tell me about how my mother can receive well i can do that all i'm going to do is give you some resources to do your, your own research um, but i'm not going to sit here and provide counseling to you and it's not because i don't want to please i would love to analyze everybody i know um, <laughs> but it's because it's because i have to separate i can't always be a counselor counselor rachel is someone who's different than personal rachel you of guys course. are getting a mix of each um but i uh i'm someone who values what i do too much that i don't want to burn out and so i i play video games and i i um like to read and i am a big fan girl so i watch tv and movies and get really sucked into those things and so i um I, I make a clear line to say counselor rachel is over here doing these things um and nerdy fangirly silly rachel is over here to do these things um so that's kind of how i i i relax and prevent burnout to the best of my ability Got it. That's a, that's a brilliant answer. Uh, is it always easy to set boundaries? 
Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I've gotten myself in some pickles uh, with um, people who I have gotten close to, um, and I've I've almost let them um, use me as a friend, but also they've used me as a counselor, and I get sucked in because I am empathetic, because I recognize when people are struggling and when they need help. It's not easy for me to say, oh, I'm going to just back away from this. Um, so I've, I've put myself in pickles where I've been a friend, but I've been a friend with a counselor hat on rather than a friend with a friend hat on. Do you tend to catastrophize with your anxiety? Is that a symptom of your anxiety? Yes, I do. <laughs> um, I do tend to catastrophize, um, and it's not pleasant. I'll just leave it at that. Anxiety is anxiety is anxiety. How do you feel about TV shows when the topic of mental health comes up? I often have to switch channels because I just get so frustrated and I only have a BA in psychology, no masters here. Yeah. So, um, we had phased out of that, uh, conversation, but one of the other mediums I was going to say also is TV bad. And that does not usually do a good job. Um, when it comes to mental health movies, I think are getting better for some reason. I see movies almost doing a better job in some instances. Um, but TV is not great. Is there any example right now that you're like, this is the worst. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I, I would say that the biggest, um, thing that I see the biggest, one of the biggest misconceptions about counseling that often gets displayed in TV and movies is that counselors are here to give advice. We are not, yeah. we are not here to give advice. We are here to help you reach your goals, whatever they are. Um, and, uh, in a way that is healthy. Um, I'm not going to tell you how to do that. If it involves doing drugs or something really bad for you, I'm going to tell you not to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. Right. I'm going to guide you and um, support you doing things that are going to help you. Oh, you bring me to my favorite psychology joke, which is how many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? None. Because it has to want to change itself. <laughs> Bingo, I'm with you. <laughs> oh my God. Awesome. It's so, it's so awful and I love it so much. Even games are bringing psych mm -hmm. consultants to help more often. And I have to say gaming, like not the people in gaming, yeah. but gaming is doing a much better job yep. with um, mental health stuff. So um, there's a game that came out last year or the, or late 2017 called um, Hellblade, I think called yep, yep. Sacrifice. I'm sure you guys have talked about it. Yep. Um, and that one I watched, I didn't play it, but I watched like the beginning of it and wow, they did a great job with just like helping people have a better idea of what hallucinations are. Um, they're not like always these scary things, but more of like just visual and audio um, disturbances, if you like, I hate to use that word, but that's what's coming to mind. Um, it's just sort of like not allowing us to see things in reality is what I meant by that. Um, but then there's other games. Um, there's interestingly, one of the games that I played recently, well, actually last year, Far Cry 5, um, was a phenomenal game. And each area that you go in, uh, on the map, the, the characters that you are having to, um, track down, each have some sort of mental health diagnosis and while they're doing really awful things because it's a video game um the way that they're experiencing mental health is shown like in ways that aren't violent and dangerous um so that one i also 
actually thought did a really good job. One of the, the characters in, in, in particular I thought was really good. It was a, a mix between sexual assault and addiction and manipulation and different things like that. Um, almost like I know that one of the uh, maybe your early podcasts, Marie, was about gaslighting, and it was kind of like that's kind yes. of what it was. Oh, I, if you caught that episode, that was fantastic. That was with I did Netflix. catch it. Oh, I, I was, was one of the I've been listening to your stuff on Spotify. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank yeah. you, you and like ten other people. Thank you, <laughs> thank hey, all of you. Hey, no, I'm not complaining about the ten people. I'm just saying like there's ten of you. There's freaking ten of you, and I appreciate you. What's the best way to make people to stop talking down to you when you have an illness? I hear, I hear a lot of things like I'm lazy. It's like it's constant. It's chronic fatigue. Um, mm -hmm. And so he hears a lot that he is lazy or doesn't do enough. Um, so is there, do you have any advice uh, like how to kind of guard yourself against that? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the advice I'm going to give you definitely takes some practice. And, and the best thing that I can think of right off the cuff is self-advocacy and just feeling comfortable telling people no and telling people, hey, this is not acceptable and appropriate. Um, and that's hard. I'm not saying that you're going to be able to walk outside tomorrow and be like, hey, stop talking to me like that. Uh, it's a very difficult thing to learn um, and and feel comfortable doing Um so, uh, and, and that kind of uh, involves setting boundaries and educating people in a way that doesn't accuse them of doing the wrong thing, but educating them to, hey, this is not the best way to um, delegate or, or talk about me rather. And um, this is what, uh, this is how it would be better. Uh, that's the kind of the best advice I could give right at this moment. I think there's probably other ways to approach that. Um, but I think that um, exploring self-advocacy and feeling comfortable with standing up to people might um, work out. And, and that's, that's like, like I keep saying, that's like the hardest thing to do, but um, it's probably the most potent. I want to make sure that I promote the heck out of you. Um, Thank you. Yes, and, and out of everything you do. But is there anything else? So how do you take care of yourself? Is there any advice that you would like to, like to give people before we head out? Yeah, so um, how do I take care of myself? This is always the tough question. Um, because I was able to access therapy when my friend died and I learned about how am I feeling when I'm anxious? What am I doing when I'm anxious? Um, I am so aware of when it's happening. I'm not always really good at managing it, full disclosure. Um, but I'm aware of when it's happening. And so when it's happening, I'm able to approach that however I want. And in times when I'm not feeling anxious and I, uh, maybe I had a bad day or I feel like, oh, I, I want to prevent something bad from happening. Um, I just do something that I consider relaxing, AKA not playing Fortnite. So I'll play something that I know is going to be fun and something that I, um, am going to enjoy and get meaning out of. And that might also include, watch. I like watching sports a lot. I think sports are very relaxing, actually. So I like watching sports. I like to go on walks. Um, one of my favorite coping techniques is, is something we call grounding, which is just sort of like remembering our place in the universe and what's in the world. And so when I go outside, I often will just take notice as a mindfulness technique a little bit, but noticing how my feet feel when they hit the pavement when I'm walking and, and, and noticing the rustling of the trees and just remembering that I am right here and right now and um, this is where I'm meant to be. And so that is like the one of the big things that I do. If I'm, fe if I'm feeling really bad, um, I'll, I'll go outside and I'll just sort of take in nature. When I'm feeling okay and I just want to have a relaxing night and 
um, prevent maybe something from happening, even though I don't know if it's going to. I'll play video games. I'll spend time with my fiance. I'll eat. Um, <laughs> and uh, I will um, just sort of do those uh, those those types of things. So, yeah. Do consultants do consult other consultants, or do they usually suffer from doctor's pride? Yeah, so... Um, Recently, I've had just a few different things come up in my life, and I've recognized that I think it's time for me to go back to a therapist. So wouldn't you believe it that 15 minutes before I got on with Marie, I just scheduled um, a therapy appointment with a new counselor because I wanted to just go in and explore some of the anxiety that I've been experiencing. So heck yes, we absolutely yeah. do. Um, it's, it's so important. Um, you know, we have to feel good to help other people feel good. And, um, yeah, so I'm going next Monday to a therapy appointment to talk about some of the anxiety that I've been experiencing. Hey, and, so uh, am I, but it's my regularly oh, scheduled one, but well, hopefully yeah. mine will be regularly scheduled as well. There and you go. The, the anxiety that I've been experiencing. There you go. The current number we have in this community that is completely approximate because of uh, privacy concerns and uh, because it's nobody's real business. But we have about 20 people in this community who see therapists. So thank you for excellent. being thank you for being one of them. That's a big deal. That is excellent. Yeah. Heck yeah. Of course. Awesome. Um, gosh, you're so fantastic. Thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you for being here. I would love to have you back on. Not that Let's getting you on the first time was easy, but uh, let's <laughs> doing that all over again but getting you on um getting you on again would be absolutely phenomenal thank you just thank you thank you for coming on here and sharing your story and for being as honest and and open as you were it, it truly it does it does mean so much um if you want to follow rachel check her out on all of these links if you are listening to this via podcast they are going to be you know you'll be able to see them if you go to my youtube or twitch or whatever definitely be sure to follow uh rachel on all of her adventures because she's phenomenal yeah. Thank you again. Thank you to you. Thank you to your community. There's been a lot of really lovely um, comments in the chat. I really appreciate it. Um, I love counseling, but there's also almost nothing I love more than talking about counseling and how much it benefits so many people. Um, and I'm, I'm just happy to be here and talking about what I love. So thank Aww. you for letting me do that. Thank, oh, thank you. And once again, Rachel, if you could tell us where we can find you one final time before we sign off. Sure. So um, you can find me at Twitter. I'm at Radical618. Um, I'm here on Twitch, also Radical618. Um, I'm on Instagram as well. That was kind of a long URL, so I didn't submit it, but it's on my it's on my uh, Twitter, but it's Radical618 completely spelled out. Somebody else had Radical618 who knew. So um, I'm also on Instagram. I stream every once in a while. I'm just starting to get back into it, but um, I'm lurking all around social media, so uh, you should be able to find me somehow. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love you all so, so much. And Rachel, if you don't mind helping us sign off, don't forget to be the light. Absolutely. Bye, everybody. I love you. Bye. See you later. If you wanted to see the sources for this video, please don't forget to check out the website. That's anxiety.com slash blog. That's where we post all of our sources. So go through them. Let me know if you find one of them not to be right or if you would actually like to add some. I love to hear that as well. There's new blog posts twice a month, so be sure to subscribe while you're at it. Check us out on YouTube and Twitter and all the other good stuff. Every follow means the world to me. It means that somebody's listening. It means the mental health stigma is about to die. And what couldn't be better than that? So thanks for tuning in. Check me out on all social media.